Hello, welcome to Talking About. I'm your host, Rob. Today, we're going to be reviewing the new Hedonites of Sanesh Battle Tome that's just been leaked, leaked, put out in 2023. We've got the whole Battle Tome, so we're going to be going through it in detail in this video. I hope you enjoy it. I'm joined by the Twitch chat, as you can see here, like people like Taint Grundle Gooch, who donated five gift subscriptions. So if you would like to ever join us live on Twitch, please do feel free. And of course, leave comments and subscribe and all that other stuff. Let's jump straight into it. Let's talk about the allegiance abilities that you can get for Sinesh. What is Sinesh normally? Sinesh is pretty much a combat army. Most of their units are combat orientated. They have magic, uh, which is quite good in some cases. They've got some big monstrous characters, Glottos and Keeper of Secrets. They've also got some great infantry. Uh, they've also got a load of cavalry units, but they don't have many uh, missile units in their army so they're generally considered to be a combat army uh, they've had two previous battle turns before a very strong one and then a very bad one and so we'll find out what this one's like now okay allegiance abilities if your whole army is a Sinesh army you get allegiance abilities they're called battle traits uh, and these battle traits are here unlike uh, some other books that have been released in Age of Sigma 3 uh, there are three sub factions in this uh, army and those sub factions have all, all got uh, command traits, artifacts, and spells, which you can only use in that sub-faction. So that's a little bit of a departure from others. That's what we call more linear design. A lot of the other books, like, for instance, the new Carousel Overlords book we saw, they just have everything. They normally have a ability for a sub-faction, but this is kind of you're very polarized into your choices, and those choices are more limited than uh, you would necessarily get in some of the other books. But you know, that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that you're going to play them in a very linear fashion, which is fine. Uh, thank you, by the way, to Ed Nutman for donating 10, gifts, uh, 10 pounds to the show. That's great. Okay, uh, so what have we got? The first bit is the Temptations of Sinesh. Now, this is actually really important. As a Sinesh army, you generate depravity points and use that for two things. You have a ticking clock of depravity. And what that does is that gives you special abilities. We'll talk about those in a moment. And you can also use, also use depravity in your movement phase to summon one unit every turn. So you can summon five units, which is great uh, over the course of a battle. Um, or you can also summon them from your terrain piece, which is the Fane of Slanesh. That's correct, the Fane of Slanesh. Uh, otherwise, you do it from heroes. So those are the two things going on. Okay, you generate depravity points. And then you either get bonuses to your army or you summon. Temptations of Sinesh is a special ability, a new one, and it's spicy. At the start of the battle round, after determining who will take the first turn, you gain six dice. And these temptation dice, each time your opponent makes a failed hit roll, failed wound roll, or a failed save roll, you can offer them a temptation dice. Now, you can't offer the same unit a temptation dice in the same phase so i can't do it twice in a phase but i could do it in let's say the shooting phase and then also the combat phase uh thank you to pete pratt for donating gifts 10 gift subs and also shepherd of Celeste for donating five gift subs to the chat as we go live that's great thank you um so that's pretty cool that's pretty cool so you've got these six dice and this is actually really powerful because if they accept it you get d6 depravity points which is big but if you refuse it, you get D3 mortal wounds on the unit that refused. This is actually going to be really important because there's going to be some key pieces that you can engage with and you can have like D3 mortal wounds, D3 mortal wounds, maybe in every phase. Now, some armies don't mind so much, like if you've got a lot of wounds, 
thank you to Jog PLC for donating 10 pounds to the show. Uh, <laughs> and then some people don't mind if you've got a lot of wounds, but this is going to be massive in my opinion. It's basically 63 mortal wounds or si uh, 66 depravity, which is going to be 22 depravity, and you only need to get to 36 depravity to max out your, your ticking clock. So this is just wicked. I also think it's really fun. It's really engaging. You get some... This does my favorite thing that you get to do in Warhammer. You get to engage with your opponent. You get to be like, oh, a bit of depravity. It's just quite fun. Might slow the game down a little bit. Um, would be particularly good if you, like, offer them, like, a token. Maybe, like, a cookie or I don't know. But I personally think it's very, very fun. And I'm like, I think it's cool. There's some rules for coalitions. Uh, if you're building a pure Sinesh army, that's great. Uh, coalitions are where you can include other units from the... Uh, chaos range in here i mean for chaos coalitions obviously um you can include units and including those units there's special stipulations and is different to how you would do let's say something like allies uh in this one you can't put corn in as a coalition at all or you can't even have corn in uh, two in every four units can be slaves to darkness and those slaves to darkness will get the sinesh keyword so as we go through this if i say something affects a Sinesh unit, then what we'll be talking about, if I allied in, let's say, Chaos Chosen, they're really good at the minute. Let's say I, I, like, I coalition them in, they'll get the Sinesh keyword. If I've got something in my army that affects Sinesh units, then, oh my goodness, I can make them better. But if I've only got an ability that affects He Knights of Sinesh, they won't go to, they won't do, they won't go together, if that makes sense. Um, uh, right, so, like, there you go. And then finally, you've got uh, one in every four units in your army can be from the Beast of Chaos, okay? But not have the Zinch or Sinesh keyword. So basically, no Enlightened, uh, no Zangor, and uh, yeah, you can't do any of those. Um, so and, or, and no f Slangor Fiend Bloods who are already in this book, so you can bring them back. So that's Coalition Units, and now on to stuff that's a little bit more engaging. That's a bit boring, putting your army together, I know, but here we go. We've got Euphoric Killers as an ability, which is, again is your battle trait, so you get to do this, and it's awesome. Once per turn, at the start of your combat phase, so you can only do this five uh, times over the course of the battle, unless there are some abilities to change this. So Because it's at the start of your combat phase, not every combat phase. Once per turn, at the start of your combat phase, pick one friendly Hedonites of Snesh unit, and one enemy unit within an inch of each other. And if you do so, until the end of that phase, you gain one depravity for every wound or mortal wound you cause um, that the enemy doesn't negate. So just for every one that you cause by the unit that you chose, your friendly unit, and the enemy unit. And this is massive. Because it's very likely that you could do a lot of damage to a unit. And so Euphoric Killers is going to be a massive spike in depravity. But timing is going to be quite fun because you'll do it in your combat phase. And depending on who gets the priority next, you might not be able to use that depravity for a few turns. But I definitely think what you will do is you'll fill up this DP ability, so depravity point ability chart, really quick. So every time you generate depravity, you get a token. If you get 12 or more, minus one to hit for hit rolls that attack friendly Hedonites of Sinesh Army. So... That's one of those situations where if you've coalitioned a unit in, like the Chosen as the example, that won't affect them because they're Sinesh keyword, not Hedonites of Sinesh, right? Then you've got Sadistic Spite, uh, and that's fantastic. Minus one, because you could very, very comfortably get that in the first turn because you're using your Temptation dice. Then you've got Sadistic Spite. If the unmodified hit roll for an attack made by the melee weapon by a friendly Hedonites of Sinesh unit is a six, the attack causes a mortal wound. So then you've got 
mortals on sixes to hit, which is also very good. And it's going to work really well with euphoric killers. And then you've got oblivious indulgence. Everyone has a five up ward. So you become a Nurgle army, which is pretty crazy. After the first combat round, you very, very much could have a Nurgle army with more output. And what I mean by that is, is that one of their allegiance abilities is having a five up ward. I think it's, I think it's likely that you could do that, right? Um, uh, yes, also, that's another good point being pointed out in the chat. So when we go back to Euphoric Killers, uh, you can't allocate wounds over, like, so if I've got a unit that's got 10 wounds, let's say, I can only ever get 10 Depravity to do that. I could do 40 damage, but I can only ever do 10 Depravity. It's a good point. Thanks for bringing it up, chat. Uh, and then finally, you've got Summon Sinesh Demons, and here's the chart for Summoning Demons. And this is kind of the interesting part in that nothing in here is, like, great. Like, you don't have 30... Uh, you don't have 30 demonettes. You can summon 10 for 18 depravity. You can summon a Keeper of Secrets for 36 depravity. And a Keeper of Secrets is a wizard and a combat monster. So that's not bad at all. Um, but you're probably going to want to max and stay at this 36 value for most of the time. Uh, you summon that unit um, uh, from a Keeper, or sorry, from a hero in your army. Or you summon it from the Fane of Sinesh. And it's got to be wholly within 12 inches and more than 9 inches from all enemy units. Um, and then, uh, and that's how it works. So that's kind of like your battle traits. That's everything that you get for this army. And we're going to quickly go back and talk about the, the fane, so the terrain feature. Uh, so it's, oh, thank you to Ziggy for donating 10 gift subs in the chat. Wow! Um, what if a ward negates the wound? Can you allocate more, right? Yes, you can. That is correct. Um, so the allocation of wounds is something that maybe you're not too stressed about, but effectively it works like this. You do some damage, you roll to hit, you roll to wound, your opponent rolls to save. If they fail to save, then you've allocated wounds. Then they would roll a ward save based on multi multiplications of damage. This is already too long-winded. <laughs> but it's basically if you do damage going past all the saves. That's how it works. Um, right, so then the Fane of Sinesh, a couple of things. It's got the Power of Sinesh, uh, yeah, the Power of Sinesh, which is you could summon a unit from it. That's what that ability means. And it's got da Damned Conduit. So at the start of your hero phase, you can pick one Freddy Key Knights of Sinesh hero within six inches of this terrain feature and make a sacrifice. If you do so, the hero suffers a mortal wound. And on a two plus, you add plus one to wound to your weapons until your next hero phase. So that's pretty good. Like one turn, take a mortal wound, get plus one to wound, run up the board. Love that idea. Uh, however, if you want to, you could sacrifice. You could sacrifice an artifact. So you can sacrifice it in the hero as an artifact of power instead of suffering one mortal wound. They can sacrifice that on a two plus. They can get plus one to wound for the rest of the battle. So you can either take a mortal wound, get plus one to hit wound. Now this is kind of interesting because uh, heroes obviously have access to finest hour, so they can already get a plus one to wound in a turn which they want. Finest hour is normally used defensively. Your opponent charges you and you think, right, today's it's finest hour this turn, this is the turn I'm going to get charged. That plus all that defense makes your army very, very survivable. So normally uh, finest hour is used defensively. So this is nice in that you can do both. Um, but like the terrain piece is fine. Like it's okay. Like plus one to wound might be really vital. You don't necessarily have a piece that's going to do huge amounts of damage, I don't think. Looking at a Keeper of Secrets, it'll be fine. Um, but you're not buffing up something like a Stonehorn. So I'm not sure if you're going to give up an artifact for that. Um, uh, but the summoning is cool. Uh, cool. Put it in the right position. Love that. Uh, and that's everything that we've got from uh, the battle traits. So we'll just leave that there. So the first sub-faction we're going to look at is the Pretenders. Uh, 
Uh, not the band from 1978. Thanks, chat. Uh, not that not that band. And instead, they're one of the sub-factions. Of the three sub-factions, the Pretenders, when Sinesh was trapped between the realm of light and dark, uh, there were Pretenders to the throne. They effectively were like, I'm actually Sinesh, etc., etc. They're the Pretenders. So what do you get if you run a Pretenders army? Well, you get something that needs FAQing really quick, some pretty sweet techie spells, and the ability to have a lot of command points. So yeah, like, no, I'm Sinesh. That's, that's who they are. So the heir to the throne ability is if the model picked to be your general is a pretender's hero, you receive three command points instead of one. Now this is already very good because this means you get a lot of command points, which ties in very nicely with Warlord Supreme. If the model picked to be your general is a pretender's hero, they can issue the same command up to three times in the same phase. If it does so, each command must be received by a friendly pretender's unit and no command points are spent for the second and third time. So I spend one CP and I can issue the same command three times in that phase. So three units can have all out attack, for example, or three units could redeploy. But I've only spent one CP. Add to that the fact that you've got basically two additional command points and the economies of scale on this is pretty massive. This is very good. So this is kind of like with how many abilities a more Crusher could do, as being said in the chat, but you have more command points to do it with. Very good. Uh, so I think this is going to see some play. Then you've got some command, command traits. So this is what your general would take. First one, strongest alone. Add one to hit rolls and wound rolls for this general while they are more than six inches from all other friendly units. Obviously very good on a fighty unit like, let's say, a Keeper of Secrets. Monica lies. Roll a dice each time an enemy unit receives a command within six inches of the general. On a five plus, that command is not received. So we've already seen this, uh, but they've still spent the command point. We've seen this already We're in a KO, and we've seen this in other abilities as well. You probably won't see as much play, but I actually really like this, the ability to shut stuff down from the opponents. Again, probably not going to be seen, but maybe. Um, and then you've got Strength of Godhood. And this one that needs an immediate FAQ, uh, because if this general issues a command to a different friendly Heed Knights of Sinesh unit, until the end of the turn, improve the rend characteristic of this general's melee weapons by one and add one to the damage characteristic of this general's melee weapons rules as written rules as written right now that means that that would stack and when you've got loads of extra cp and you've got the ability to do a command ability up to three times i think we had some fun in the chat and we got a keeper of secrets having like plus 12 damage at rend 12 or something uh which is great but that is going to get faq'd I assume straight away. Obviously, I'm reading this of, on day of launch. So uh, that'll be something that gets FAQ. And you can find all the FAQs on uh, the uh, Warhammer community website, I think. And then, yeah, there's an FAQs tab. So uh, why does it stack? Because that's just how it's written. Um, and then you've got artifacts of power. So you've got regalia of the rightful heir. So uh, the crown of dark secrets. At the start of your first hero phase, pick one enemy unit on the battlefield. And for the rest of the battle... While that unit is within six inches of the bearer, the attacks characteristic of that unit's melee weapons are one. So, you pick a unit, and then if you get within six inches, we picked Archeon because he's got lots of attacks. Get within six inches, and then all of his attacks are reduced down to one. This is wicked. Stonehorn, that's a great one on a Stonehorn as well. Like, reduce all their attacks 
down to one. That's very, very cool. You've got to get within six inches. That can be quite difficult to manage. Um, but it does seem like that they've got a lot of utility to move around the board. So this is actually quite interesting. This That's very cool. So but that's an artifact. They've got the Scepter of Domination. At the start of the combat phase, roll a dice for each enemy unit within three inches of the bearer. On a five plus, the Strike Last effect applies to that unit until the end of the phase. It's pretty cool. Like, Strike Last is very, very strong. Um, it would actually work really well with the Crown of Dark Secrets, the Scepter of Domination, and one of the spells we're going to talk about in a minute, because they can all integrate with each other, which is kind of fascinating. But, like, that one's, like, probably not going to see as much use, but Strike Last is always good in this game, especially for a mainly combat army. And then you've got Breathtaker. Pick one of the bearer's melee weapons. If the model is slain by an attack made with that weapon, all effects that would be triggered when that model is slain are ignored. Pointed out by Mr. Iron Gutsman in the chat uh, that you would also ignore the effects of Battleshock. Uh, Iron Gutsman's got a YouTube channel. You check it out. It's a very smart man. Plays Age of Sigmar. Um, so, pick one of the bearer... So, you can ignore the effect so this feels like and pointed out in the chat again i think very clever that you obviously could ignore things like fight on death uh that feels like a very it feels like a very anti-corn mechanic before we've seen corn uh which i quite like um so yeah anything that so if you've slain models anything that would be caused when you uh, slay a model to happen doesn't happen it's pretty cool and then we get the spell laws Right, resurrection on death is another good one. Thank you very much. Um, uh, that's that's very good. Uh, and then you've got the law of the magnificent, and this is where this whole section becomes crazy. Uh, Soul slice shards is a spell as casting value of five, range of only twelve inches. You pick a unit within uh, visible range to the caster. You roll two d six. If the roll is greater than the braver characteristic, that unit cannot issue or receive commands. This is fine. This is fine, like it's like a mini Bellacore ability and could come in useful, but it's 12 inch range. Obviously, you've got the Umbral Spell Port, which is the end of the spell, which can extend spell ranges pretty significantly. But 12 inches is quite short, so there we go. Um, I think this is okay. The great one, though, uh, and obviously, you've also got to roll a 2d6 as well. So, like, there's a bunch of stuff. So, it's unreliable and therefore you're less likely to take it. The Phantasmagoria, though, is Phantasmatastic. Uh, I'd like the chat to compliment me on that joke. Phantasmagoria is a spell that has a casting value of 5 and a range of 12 inches. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range and visible to the caster. Until your next hero phase, each time that unit is picked to fight, you can pick one friendly Knights of Snesh unit within 3 inches of that unit. That friendly unit can retreat. Okay, so I said a lot there. How did it work? I got this wrong the first time I read it. This is how it works. Pick an enemy unit. You cast a spell on them. Great. It's only 12 inches, so it's limited range. Spell portal, maybe extend the range, but it's limited range. Okay. That unit then is Phantasmagoriad. <laughs> when you activate that unit to fight, so let's say you charge a Sinesh unit with a unit that's got that spell on them. When you choose the unit to fight, so the let's cho choose Chaos Chosen. No, let's choose Kurnoth Hunters. We've cast it on Kurnoth Hunters. They've charged in. Okay, they've got this spell. They then activate to fight, and then the Snesh unit that they've charged, they can run away and never be hurt. Okay, that's great. The other version of this is if you want to have some real fun, is you charge in to a Phantasmagoria unit, you fight, and then they decide they're going to try and attack you, and then you're like, nope, I retreat away. So you've got fight and fade. 
in a spell. It's only cast on a five, so it's quite reliably cast, which is really great. But its short range is going to be a real issue. But this is absolutely massive, especially if you join that up with something like the Crown of Dark Secrets, where you reduce uh, the uh, number of attacks from the enemy down. And then you finally got Born of Damnation, which is... A spell cast on a six, you roll six dice, every four plus you generate a depravity point, so stacking that up. So Pretenders is looking very interesting. Phantasmagoria stands out as something you really want to use. Crown of Dark Secrets feels really, really effective. Needs like an FAQ on Strength of Godhood. But overall, overall, a very linear set of abilities that work really nicely together, and I quite like that. Like, it feels like it's going to play very... Like, it's very good. Like, very techy, loads of pieces. Um, I really like that. That's it's, it's very good. Very good. I'd be very excited. If I was a Sinesh player, looking at that only, I'd think, yeah, this is, this is great. Uh, the next up faction is Godseekers. So the Godseekers are, when Sinesh was trapped between the realms, Godseekers were obviously seeking their god. Uh, so that's what they get. So these are the battle traits that you get. You get Thundering Cavalcades. This is your sub-faction rule. You can reroll charge rolls for a friendly Godseeker unit while they're wholly within 12 inches of a friendly Godseeker hero. Everything in this sub-faction is about charging. So reroll charges is good because that's what you want to do. Maniacal Hunters is a bit wordy, but effectively at the beginning of each battle round, there are five of those, D3 units from your Godseeker army can move up to D6 inches. They have to not be in combat, so they can't be within three inches, and they can't then move into combat. So those are kind of important stipulations. Now, this is kind of interesting. You might be like, oh, that doesn't sound particularly good, but actually could be very useful for bringing a wizard into range, uh, and then you deciding to take the turn and then do something there. Uh, maybe move something around onto an objective your opponent wasn't expecting. As it reads, it might need an FAQ as to whether or not that stacks up to D3 on a single unit, uh, so you could have a unit move D6 three times. Uh, but needs an FAQ, uh, so that's something to be conscious of there. I'd probably play it as D3 individual units if you're going to play with them. Uh, right, so then the command traits. You've got Into the Fray, which is you get Always Strikes first if you've charged. You've got Speed Chaser. After this general makes a charge move, uh, you pick an enemy within an inch and you roll a number of dice equal to the charge value and then on a 4+, you take a mortal wound. So you roll a 10 on the charge, roll 10 dice, each four plus a mortal wound, make them an ogre, the speed chaser. And then you've got Hunter Supreme, which is only for a monster. Enemy units within three inches of this general cannot make him pile in moves. In addition, you add one to the attacks characteristic of this general's melee weapons if they made a charge move in the same turn. So plus one um, attack to all of your weapon profiles, pretty good. Let's say Keeper of Secrets, because it's a monster, charge him in pretty decent um and then they can't make him parlance it's okay uh then you've got god seekers um and you've got cameo of the dark prince so this is the artifacts these are the treasures of the hunt once per battle at the start of your hero phase you can say that the bearer will gaze upon the cameo and if you do so until the end of that turn the bearer can issue commands to friendly heat knights and units without any command points being spent this is actually quite an interesting uh 
time to talk about the fact that if you use a once per battle item like this, then you can still sacrifice it in the Fane of Sinesh and permanently give yourself plus one to wound. Now, this doesn't work out as statistically useful as we saw in um, Pretenders, because Pretenders just generate loads more command points. But if you were going to try and go through that combination, this is a fun thing to do. Then you've got Ther Threnody Voice Box. There we go. <laughs> Once per battle at the start of the combat phase, you can say the bear will play their melody. And if you do so until the end of that phase, subtract one from the attacks characteristics of melee weapons used by enemy units within six inches of the bearer. It's pretty good. Uh, reducing the attacks characteristic down again is good because your army is probably going to be more of a glass cannon than it is going to be a brawler style army like you would see in Slaves of Darkness. So it's not going to be as survivable. And so making your survivability go up is good. Normally, I like armies that play into strengths more than try to shore up weaknesses in army. So I probably wouldn't personally take this, but still cool. And then you've got Girdle of the Realm Racer. So stick your girdle on. Get right in. And if you do, the bearer can fly. It's a flying girdle. It's like Mary Poppins. <laughs> and then in addition, the bearer is eligible to fight in the combat phase if they're within six inches of enemy units instead of three inches. Right? And they can make a, um, a, an extra three inches when they pile in. So effectively, yeah, Mary Poppin off is what you can get with a Keeper of Secrets. Just, just print out a big Mary Poppins and that's your Keeper of Secrets. Effectively, you can pile in six inches from six inches away, which is very good. Uh, and then you've got Spell Laws. First one is Path of the Dark Prince. Uh, cast on a five. You can charge on 3d6, not 2d6. But unlike other abilities that uh, we've seen inside the game, it doesn't say that you can do this from outside of 18 inches. So you can still only declare a charge if you're within 12 inches of uh, an army. But obviously, there's some little fun stuff that we could talk about there. What you could potentially do is charge 3d6 with a flying uh, Mary Poppins girdle of the Realm Racer uh, that's also an ogre uh, that's a speed chaser. Or you can um, make it so that... Um, they got plus one attack because they're a hunter supreme. So let me just get this right. It would be a speed chaser with the girdle of the realm racer uh, following the paths of the dark prince. It's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. Um, I quite like that. And then you've got Progeny of Damnation, which is another spell cast on a five and a range of 12 inches. If successfully cast, pick a friendly key knight success unit wholly within range and visible to the caster. Until your next hero phase, that unit finishes a normal move. Run or retreat within nine inches of enemy units. They cannot use redeploy. Pretty cool. No redeploy in range um, of this. Make them an unmade. Feels like it's just cheaper to get the unmade in as a coalition unit. Uh, I would probably do that. And then Slothful Stupor is a great spell. Uh, very, very funny. Cast on a seven, you turn them into Snorlax and a range of 12 inches. So pick an enemy unit within 12 inches. Their movement characteristic changes to three and all run rolls and charge rolls for that unit are treated as being a three. Now, this will combo really, really nicely with um, uh, with the Endless Spell, the... Oh, God. Uh, the Jaws. The Jaws. I forgot his name right now. But that will work really well uh, for that because that's based off the movement characteristic and will do a lot of mortal wounds. Ravenax Gnashing Jaws. The Endless Spell. Thank you. So that's quite fun. A little combo that you could do there. Um, also really effective if you get it on a really big dangerous piece that your enemy has. If they've got like a giant unit of Chosen. If they have 30 Squig Hoppers, movement three, that's all you get. Um, and you can only charge three. That's very powerful. So uh, yeah, ultimately 
Uh, I don't think I like God Seekers as much as I like Pretenders at the moment. Um, but like, there's some real fun stuff you could do in there, especially making Mary Poppins. That's cool. So our final sub-faction is Invaders. Now, the narrative of this is that they didn't really care that Sinesh got locked up. And they were just like, let's just invade anyway, because that's what we do. That's their thing. Okay, so Invaders. These are their battle traits. All friendly Invaders heroes are treated as a general. This is figureheads of the Dark Prince. They're all treated as generals. And so if you have someone that's a general, then that unlocks some other units as battle line. As an example, if we look over here, uh, the Exalted Chariot is a battle line unit if the general is a blade bringer herald on Exalted Chariot. If, for example, uh, you have a Lord of Hubris as your general or is in this sub-faction, then Mimradish Painbringers become battle line. So if you have multiple generals, you can have multiple battle line, uh, which is kind of fun. And then you can pick and choose between everything which is kind of cool so that's the first bit of that in addition roll a dice each time you pick a friendly invaders hero to carry out a heroic action on a two plus you can pick one other eligible invaders hero on the battlefield to also carry out that same heroic action now this will chain so i pick one do a heroic action let's say finest hour two plus pick another so i picked one so then finest hour two plus Finest hour, finest hour, finest hour, finest hour. A couple of things on that. I don't know if you could finest hour when you've already finest houred, if that makes sense. I've like So I start with one and then I do it on another. That's kind of like an odd chain sequence, which uh, is pretty fun. Um, then there's also a, a, there's a, there's a heroic action unique to these as well, which is this is a heroic action that you can carry out with one friendly invader's hero. Instead of picking one from the table in the core rules, if you do so, pick one eligible command trait from the list below that invader's hero does not already have. That hero is considered to have the command trait until the end of the turn. Okay, some things that maybe need an FAQ. Do unique heroes, are, are they able to benefit from this? That's a great one because unique heroes can't, uh, sorry, unique characters can't take command traits, obviously. So can they benefit from this because it's considered to be benefit? So a nice bit of clarity and FAQ on that. Otherwise, these are the command traits that you can use. You've got obsessive, Obsessions of the Invader. So these are the command traits. You've got Best of the Best, which is add one to the attack's characteristic of this general while it's within six inches of another hero. And also don't forget, if we remember the summoning table, there's also the ability to summon heroes as well, which is kind of like a fun little mechanic you can engage with. Then you've got Glory Hog at the end of the combat phase. If any enemy units were destroyed in that phase and this general's on the battlefield, you receive a command point, which is kind of okay. But like in the other sub-faction, uh, you just literally get command points. So... I don't know why I would take that, but then you you know you can you can pick it with the heroic action. Hurler of Senities is actually really interesting. At the start of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy unit within six inches of this general, and until the end of that phase, you add one to hit rolls for attacks made by that unit, so the enemy unit that you've chosen, and but you subtract one from their save rolls. So you give them plus one to hit, but you also make them minus one save. But because you can have this command trait more than once, thanks to the Escalating Havoc heroic action, and you can do Escalating Havoc multiple times, thanks to Figureheads of the Dark Prince, what you can do is you could have this happen six times, and therefore you can reduce someone's save by six, putting it all together. That's a lot of stuff that you've got to make happen, including heroic actions on two pluses to make it all work, 
but that is something you could do, which is pretty cool and pretty fun and pretty interesting and wicked. Love that. Then you got uh, the artifacts. You got the Rod of Misrule. Keep track of the number of unmodified hit rolls of six and unmodified wound rolls of six for attacks made by the bearer each turn. At the end of the battle shot phase, if the total is six or more, the bearers on the battlefield, you gain a depravity point, which is like a lot of work for one depravity point. So it's going to be a no from me, boss. You've also got another one, Icon of Infinite Excess, which is once per battle, you can plant the flag and then plus one attack characteristic to every Heathenite of Sinesh model. Again, it's Heathenites of Sinesh, not the Sinesh keyword. Um, so there's that. Um, and then we've got the Beguiling Gem. At the start of the combat phase, pick one enemy hero within three inches of the bearer and roll 3d6. If the roll is greater than the hero's bravery characteristic, subtract one from the attack characteristic of that hero's melee weapons to a minimum of one until the end of that phase. That's a lot of work to be within three inches to roll 3d6. So of the three, I much prefer the once per battle, everyone gets plus one attack. That feels very, very good. Everything else is no from me. Um, uh, and then finally... Uh, we've got the spell laws. So we've got Lash of Sinesh. is a spell that has a casting value of 6 and a range of 12 inches. If successfully cast, pick one enemy within the range visible to the caster and roll a number of dice equal to the number of models in that unit. And for each 5+, plus, subtract one from the attack's characteristic of that unit's melee weapons to a minimum of 1. Um, normally, you don't tend to have units that have lots of models with lots of attacks. I mean, sometimes in some situations you do, like Zangor are a good example. Uh, they have lots of attacks. Uh, but it's 12 inches. You've got to roll five ups. Probably probably not the one for me. Um, then you've got the Pervain of Sinesh, which is pretty, pretty spicy. Range of 12 inches and cast on a six. You pick an enemy unit within range and visible to the caster and roll a number of dice equal to the unit's move characteristic. For each five plus, you subtract one inch from that unit's move characteristic to a minimum of one for the rest of the battle. However, the same unit can be affected by this ability more than once per battle. So, uh, pretty interesting, like, reducing... Like, units that are already already slow, units that are already slow could do something super, super fun. Like, you could just, like, you movement four, as is being pointed out in the chat, then you could reduce that down to movement one for the rest of the battle, which is pretty funny. Uh, but you only roll a number of dice equal to the unit's move characteristic. So it's probably better off picking something that moves really fast, like 12 inches, and then uh, shutting it down. But, like, because like, if something moves 4 inches, then you're going to get to roll 4 dice, so you might not get any 5-ups. Um, uh, and then you've got Hysterical Frenzy, which is uh, cast on a 7 and a range of 18 inches. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range and visible to the caster and roll a number of dice. Equal to the unit's bravery characteristic for each 6, suffer D3 ball wounds. If they've got bravery 10, you're still not likely to roll 2 dice for 2 D3 ball wounds. So I'm probably not keen on that either. The big fun one is the pain Pervain of Sinesh. Shut a unit down so it can barely move uh, and then can't go across the board, which I think is interesting. Right, um, so I like that a lot. I think that's pretty fun. Uh, but yeah, like it's quite an interesting sub faction. Right, keeper of secrets. First up, is it good? It's four hundred points. The chat divided amongst itself. Um, uh, there's all sorts of opinions. We'll talk about what's in it. Sixteen wounds with a four armor save. It starts out at base move fourteen inches, so it's very fast. Okay, bravery ten, so very available to do heroic heal. 
Okay, what's his damage profile like? So it always comes with an elegant great blade, which is two inch range, four attacks, threes and threes, rend one, damage two. And then it's got impaling claws, which is three inch range, two attacks, threes and threes, rend two, but damage five. If you've got do any sixes to wound with any of the melee weapons, then they do that damage profile in mortal wounds. So with the impaling claws, if you're all six, then you'll do five mortal wounds. And as we've already talked about, there's ways to either get strike first or plus one attack or a bunch of other stuff on a particular hero here. So there might be a way of building a very, very fighty Keeper of Secrets, um, which is quite interesting. Although its profile is, I would say at best, okay. The, do the one thing you've got to remember before we talk about anything else is that if the Depravity stack is full, it's going to be minus one to hit, potentially have a five at ward save, and be doing mortals on sixes to hit. So that's something to already think about. So they can cast two spells and unbind two spells, uh, which is great. So that's pretty good. Um, uh, and then you've got Excess of Violence, which is uh, used to be a command ability, and now it's a once-per-battle ability that you can pick a Heat Knights of Snesh unit wholly within 12 inches, and they can fight in that phase. And actually, the chat have kind of pointed out that this is a nerf, but actually maybe really, really good with Euphoric Killers. So if you've got a unit that's going to do a lot of damage in the combat phase, and then that generates depravity points, then this is the time to make them fight twice. Do the maximum amount of damage possible, and just absolutely fill up that tank. Until that got pointed out in the chat, I was like, I'm not really sure about the Keeper of Secrets. But I can really see that now, because potentially you're doing... Uh, potentially you're doing enough damage here, like, so you're, yeah, you're doing enough damage that you're going to get another Keeper of Secrets on top of the Keeper of Secrets you've already got, right? But I love that. That's pretty cool. Um, so that's pretty, that's, that's very interesting. I think that's a very interesting combo that people might miss, and it might feel like it's not a great unit, but there we go. Okay, so once you've got taken those two weapons, you can have one of a Living Whip, a Ritual Knife, a Sinistrous Hand, or a, a Shining Aegis. Shining Aegis is a five up ward save. You can already get a ward save, but you might want to start with a ward save so that you don't get shot off the board. Sinister's Hand gets you a heal. You can either heal up to three wounds at the end of every combat phase, or six wounds if you kill a hero uh, with a Sinister's Hand. I quite like that one. I would be trying to get the Sinister's Hand on the board as soon as possible um, uh, and get that engaged and then try and get those... I'd be trying to get those depravity points and then use the Sinister's Hand. Uh, the Ritual Knife, basically on a 2+, plus, you do that many mortal wounds that you've rolled. So you roll a dice. If you roll a 5, you do 5 mortal wounds. If you roll a 1, you do none. Uh, and then finally, you've got the Living Whip. This unit is armed with a Living Whip. At the start of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy unit within 6 inches. And you can uh, roll a dice on a 2+, plus, subtract 1 from the attack characteristic of that unit's melee weapons. Um... Until, yeah, to a minimum of one until the end of that phase. The same unit cannot be affected by this ability more than once per phase. Um, so minus one to the attack's characteristic again. Making the army a little bit more survivable, which is good, because it's only got a four-up armor save. Um, I just want to re-point re out that excess of violence, when you do fight again with a unit, it can't be the Keeper of Secrets that you're fighting. So you can't fight with the Keeper of Secrets twice. It has to be another unit. And when you do fight twice, you fight twice at the end of the phase so it's quite interesting and you've got dark temptations once per turn at the start of the combat phase if any friendly units with this ability are on the battlefield you get to pick an enemy unit and you say look d3 mortal wounds for you or d3 depravity points for me so you've got to be uh, within three inches of a friendly unit but i quite like that i quite like that it's more depravity 
Like, and then the Keeper of Secrets is paying for its own depravity, potentially on the next one. And it's, a, it's at the start of the combat phase. So it's going to be in every combat phase. My major issue is potentially keeping the Keeper of Secrets alive. It's got a four-up armor save, 16 wounds. But there we go. And you've got Cacophonic Choir, which it's War Scroll spell. It's cast on six, range of six inches. Um, if successfully cast, roll 2d6, each enemy within range that has a bravery characteristic of less than a roll, uh, suffers D3 mortal wounds. So if you roll big, everyone's going to take D3 mortal wounds. If you roll low, it's you're not going to take many. So overall, the Keeper of Secrets is going to be one of those ones that I think divides a lot of people. I think it's very divisive. I think the pilot attack twice might be what saves it. Um, and the combinations that you produce is going to be interesting. We know that you can make one of these fly. You can make it charge 3d6. When it gets there, though... Does it do enough damage for 400 points is the real question. It's also got two spell casts, which you can't ignore either. There's some good spells in the, the spell laws. Uh, so it's got the ability to do a bunch of spells, which I think is interesting. Especially if you summon one, you get to choose a spell um, that maybe works really well at that point. I think overall, interesting. I'd love to know what you all think. Right, next up. Name character Shalaxi Hellbane means it's unique, can only take one. Shalaxi narrative is that she's a, a, a duelist, a, a hero hunter. That's her story. So what does she look like in the rules? Well, she's a wizard, cast two spells, unbind two spells, which is awesome. It's pretty valuable. Makes her as good as a lot of change. Um, and then she's got two weapon profiles. She's got the Impaling Claws, which is the same as the Keeper of Secrets. Two attacks, threes and threes, rend two, but damage five. So that's important. And she's obviously got the ability that if you're only sixes to wound, you do that amount of damage in mortal wounds, which is delicate precision. That's what that ability is. Then she's got a soul piercer attack, which used to be one attack, and it's already got better. It's gone up to two attacks. It hits on a three, wounds on a two, and is ren three. So it'll punch through armor pretty nicely, and is D3 plus three. So fairly consistent in the damage profile, which is nice, as well as living whip uh, being a range shooting attack that she's got. So what else does she have on a war scroll? Well, she's got a five-up ward save. She's 16 wounds uh, on a four-up armor save, and then she moves 14 inches. She, they, sorry. Uh, so And a five-up ward save. So that comes in inbuilt, so you don't get quite as much benefit from depravity, but minus one to hit is pretty good. She's also got the Cloak of Constriction, which is minus one to hit rolls and wound rolls for attacks in melee that target her. So if you do get the depravity up, then she's going to be minus two to hit in combat and minus one to wound. It's pretty powerful stuff, actually, making her a little bit more survivable. If you add that in conjunction with the amount of minuses to attack that are available in the army, because there's quite a few of those, then potentially you're not doing many attacks into Shalaxi and you're minus one to hit, minus one to wound. That's pretty good, right? And then she's got the Living Whip, uh, which is the same as the Keeper of Secrets. Uh, and then she's got the Delicate Precision, which we talked about, and then Irresistible Challenge. Now, Irresistible Challenge is at the start of the enemy charge phase. Basically, if there's a hero within 12 inches of it, you can issue a challenge. They also have to be three inches away from other friendly units. And then you say, look, you, this is a challenge. And then they can refuse the challenge and take D3 mortal wounds, which, in conjunction with the Temptation dice, there's really potentially an opportunity to kill a bunch of characters at range, never getting near them, which is kind of fun. However, if they accept the challenge, the hero must attempt to charge and finish the charge move within half an inch of this unit. If it doesn't make the charge, it still takes D3 mortal wounds. Uh, so you can't just be like, oh, I accept, but I'm never going to achieve the charge. Um, and then if they're in combat, then 
off we go. So kind of an interesting mechanic. Definitely very thematic. I really like that. That's really fun, especially for Shalaxi, who's meant to be like a hero hunter, which is cool. Uh, she's also got the ability Killing Stroke at the start of the combat phase. You can pick an enemy hero within three inches of this unit. If you do so, all attacks made by this unit in that phase target that hero, but the damage characteristic of this unit's Soul Piercer is a six instead of D3. So target a hero, it's a six uh, instead of D3 plus three. So potentially 12 damage coming out of the Soul Piercer, and there are ways to add plus one attack. So it could be up to 18 damage. I think there's maybe a, a way to get another plus one. So that's going to be maybe 24 damage coming out of Shalaxi into a hero. And then finally, you've got Refined Senses, which is a spell that she can cast. Uh, cast on a four. If successfully cast into an next hero phase, add one to hit rolls and wound rolls for attacks made by the caster that target an enemy hero. And add one to save rolls for attack that target the enemy hero that target this caster. So basically, any heroes target Shalaxi, plus one save. And she also gets plus one to hit rolls and wound rolls. Um, so 16 wounds on this. Uh, pretty interesting, Shalaxi. Uh, doesn't obviously have fight twice like a Keeper of Secrets does. Would you take Shalaxi and this? Potentially in a kind of hero hammer smash combat. Pretty fun. Pretty interesting. I don't think she does enough. Like she doesn't have a you can't take ward saves. As an example. Uh, into enemy heroes. Because then she'd be like. Then you'd be like wow. Okay. Like enemy heroes can't make ward saves against you. You'd be like okay. This is actually really interesting. Um, as it is, it feels like she's hunting smaller foot characters with the irresistible challenge thing. Um, but overall, I think what this is one of the, this is going to be one of those books. It's about the stacking and overlapping of abilities, mixed with things like temptation dice, uh, to see how this entire army plays out. So, Shalaxi, maybe a little bit better, uh, but still very expensive at 420 points. Okay, Games Workshop decided not to mess with perfection. Arguably one of the best allies in the game, Sigvald, the Prince of Sanesh. He's got six wounds with a three-up armor save and a four-up ward save, so very, very survivable. Move six and uh, has got bravery nine. Now, he's got a special type of attack. When he charges, he gets strike first, and he's got powered by Vainglory, which is you add three to the charge rolls for this unit. In addition, the attack's characteristic is the shard slash, that's his sword is either 5 or equal to the unmodified charge roll. So if you roll a 10, you're going to have 10 attacks that hit on 2s, wound on 3s, ren 2, damage 2. Big damage. Big damage. Put a Keeper of Secrets nearby, make this bad boy fight twice, generate a lot of depravity. It's changed from D3 to 2. 205 points, got 5 points cheaper. Um, now, the interesting thing about this army so far is that we haven't seen a delivery system. We used to see um, Sigval be able to be put into effectively Deep Strike, come on the board, and then charge, right? So uh, that's that's interesting. But uh, there is a way, obviously, of getting a 3d6 charge, but outside of 12 inches on Sigval. So you've got a longer charge, uh, which is good, uh, in the army, but you don't have any Deep Strike in. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Sigvald's still probably maybe the cheapest, best unit in this whole book. So we are going to look at some of the mortals. We've got Lord of Pain. Uh, and the Lord of Pain is, I should remember this before we got started, 135 points. So uh, he's pretty decent in combat and also pretty uh, survivable. Five wounds with a four-up armor save. Move six inches. Uh, he's got a good uh, melee profile. Five attacks, three threes, rend one, damage two. Same as a keeper. 
Um, and then it's got an ability called Share the Pain, which is a ward save of 4+. Plus. And in addition, each time a wound or mortal wound caused by an attack made by a melee weapon is negated by this ability, the attacking unit suffers a mortal wound. Quite like the idea of giving a missing shield, a bit of all-out defense, throw them in the enemy, survive a load of attacks, ward save a bunch of stuff, uh, and potentially kill something. But with five wounds, that's a bit risky. Then he's got the Paragon of Pain, and this is probably the reason that you would take him. Add one to hit rolls and wound rolls for friendly Hedonites of Snesh mortal units while wholly within 12 inches of this unit while this unit is contesting an objective. So you don't even need the enemy, so you don't even need the unit that you're buffing to get to be on the objective. He just needs to be on the objective. Plus one to hit, plus one to wound also will affect units in shooting. So pretty good. Uh, a nice little stack there. Plus one to hit, plus one to wound. Uh, very, very effective on a bunch of different units. Um, and again, it's wholly within 12 inches, so quite fun. He himself is very survivable and also very fighty, which I think is really good to know. Uh, important timing, you don't walk onto an objective and immediately contest. Thank you to Greg in the chat. You only contest at the end of the turn. So you don't move on, contest, and then apply the buff. So it's a little bit more tricky to make it work. Um, so there you go. So that is... Uh, Law of the Pain. Uh, and I guess he's buffing himself. That's a good point. Um, so then he's always twos and twos. Rend one, damage two. So definitely better than a Keeper of Secrets. So that's a Lord of Pain. Pretty interesting. So then immediately after Lord of Pain, we like, let's go look at Bliss Barb Archers. Because if we can get plus one to hit and plus one to wound on a unit, let's talk about Bliss Barb Archers. So they've got an 18-inch shooting attack. And they can run and still shoot later in the turn. So they've got an effective range of um of 30 inches because they move six they can run six and they shoot 18 inches uh they got two shots each uh which means you're gonna get 20 shots from the unit and they hit on threes wound on fours uh, rend one damage one however if they have a homunculus in their arm in their unit then they get to add one to wound roll so it's going to be threes and threes and um obviously you can give them all out attack or put them near a lord of pain in which case it's going to be twos and threes rend one uh which is pretty interesting uh, that's a lot of shots coming out of them. It's 150 points for a unit of 11 Bliss Barb Archers. So, I quite like that. Uh, that's pretty good. That's a lot of shooting. Then you've got the Shard Speaker of Sinesh. Five wounds with a five-up save, but also has a ward of five-plus. And is a wizard. Okay, so I really like this because I think this is actually quite engaging. Uh, what you end up with is two attacks um, in combat, fours and fours. But if you cast a wizard... Uh, sorry, if you cast a spell... With the wizard, you get the Mist Lurkers, which is a special type of attack, meaning you get a four-up ward save. So you only get the four-up ward save if you've cast the spell. And then, once you've cast the spell, you get five attacks, threes and threes, rend one, damage two. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. So he ends up with like a much more fighty character, but he's on a five-up base armor save with a four-up ward save and only casts one spell. Uh, but so if you cast a spell, you'll get that. So... And then you've got the Twisted Mirror, which is once per turn in your shooting phase. Um, you can pick one enemy unit within nine inches of this unit and roll a dice. On a four plus, subtract one from save rolls to attacks that target that unit until your next hero phase. The same unit cannot be affected by this ability more than once per turn. So now we could potentially get, if we want, our Bliss Barb Archers up to Ren 2, which is pretty fun. Um, we, uh, just using the Shard Speaker of Sinesh, uh, which is good. Maybe a good ally. Maybe a good ally. Uh, bring that into another army. Uh, the Shard Speaker. Sorry, I should point out that the Shard Speaker is, in fact, some amount of points. 
Shadowspeaker is 125 points. 125 points. Um, and then the Shardspeaker's got their own spell. Uh, Reflection Eternal is cast on a 6 and range 12 inches. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit with a range within range and visible to the caster and subtract one from the attack's characteristic uh, of their melee weapons to a minimum of one until your next hero phase. Um, so, and again, another opportunity for minus one. So it's quite interesting so far, the Shard Speaker of Sinesh and the Bliss Barb Archers. Uh, you've got some combo there already for potentially doing some damage at range. Uh, you can also split the Bliss Barb Archer's shots to make it so that you're, um, so that you are forcing the temptation dice to be active as well. So a lot, a lot of layered buffs there. The Lord of Hubris is a 135 point combat character that can do some really spicy stuff. Five wounds with a five up save, and it's got an ability called You First, I Insist. This grants him a five up ward save, four plus ward save even, not a five plus, four plus ward save. And in addition, you get to choose a unit, and you get to say you get strike first. If they, and then they can only target the Lord of Hubris. They have to be within an inch. You get strike first, and you can only strike me. Pretty interesting, especially when we know that from earlier on, you can potentially make the Lord of Hubris then activate and run away so that they can strike first. So you can use the Lord of Hubris. This is an incredibly powerful ability. This brand new miniature available, I think, in a FOMO box is that you can make it so that they you negate their whole combat phase because they have to fight you. And then when they choose to activate, you run away. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, and then finally, only the best will suffer. At the start of the combat phase, you can pick one friendly um, Mimradash, Painbringers, or Twin Souls unit holding the 12 inches, and they get fight on death. Fight on death, baby. Right? Fight on death. Uh, so, pretty good. Actually, incredible. In fact, that feels like the combo. Lord of Hubris, and then make it so that you activate and run away. So just negate entire combat phases feels very 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 strong very very strong our two kind of elite units in melee for Sinesh are the pain bringers and the twin souls they're mortals so they can definitely benefit from the plus one to hit and plus one to wound that we saw earlier now the Mimradon uh, Mimradash pain bringers are 145 points they're two wounds with a three up armor save so they're a really good anvil they're a really good damage taker because you can potentially get them minus one to hit. You can potentially get them having a five up ward save. And these feel like these stack really well when you're leveling up that depravity table. So they've got, they're a unit of five. They get three attacks each. Threes and threes rend one, damage one. But if you do mortals on sixes to hit, if you get 24 depravity points, then that's going to be 15 attacks uh, plus one for the champion. So 16 attacks. Any mortals to hit do a six, uh, any sixes to hit do a mortal wound. And then you get to add one to the save rolls for attacks that target this unit while they're wholly within enemy territory, which is a little bit difficult to do. However, or they're wholly within 12 inches of an objective that you do not control. So that's quite a wide bubble. You could use them as a screen or a real solid tanking unit. And they've got enough attacks that potentially you can spam a lot of mortal wounds later, which I think is interesting. So overall, pretty good anvil unit. Minus one to hit. Five up ward save, two up armor save. Like, that's legit. 
that's the cheer. Also, if you take them with the uh, the Lord of uh, the the fight, Lord of Hubris, they're going to fight on death. So, I quite like that. The Twin Souls are a little bit on rockier ground. They're 145 points again for Unit Five. Two wounds with a four-up armor save. So four-up armor save. They got two attacks in combat each. Threes and fours. Rend one, damage two. Don't forget, we already know that we can make this be twos and threes. Uh, they've got an ego-driven excess, which is subtract one from the attack's characteristic of melee weapons used by enemy units. They really like this rule uh, while they're within three inches of any friendly units with this ability. So minus one uh, to attacks. So that's going to make them more survivable. So that makes their, their four-up save a little bit more defendable. And if they're within three inches of an enemy unit, they have a five-up ward save. So five-up ward save... Um, Four up armor save, 140 points for 10 wounds. And you're going to get 11 attacks out of this unit on twos and threes, rend one, damage two. Potentially, there's ways to reduce the armor save for the enemy as well, um, as we talked about when we looked at the shard speaker. So you could even add some rend in this army. So not terrible. I just wonder where their place is uh, at the moment. They're not overly mobile. They move six inches. Of course, you can give them that 3d6 charge, maybe. Um, but yeah, quite interesting. Quite interesting mix of mortal stuff at the moment. Next up, Glottos or Scullion. In my opinion, absolutely fantastic. 480 points on 18 wounds with a 3-up armor save and moves 8 inches. He's got a really weird shooting attack that is one shot and does a flat damage 6 with 2s and 2s. Then, And he's also a mortal. That's an important point to note. And he's not locked to any sub-faction. So you can take him in any of them. Uh, he's got um, an okay set of melee profiles. The important one is the five attacks with the crushing claws that are threes and threes, rend two, damage three. So pretty pretty fighty. Like as fighty about as a Keeper of Secrets, but obviously no pilot attack twice. Um, although a Keeper of Secrets could make him pilot attack twice. It's a two cast wizard. Uh, cast two spells and unbind two spells. It's got a five up ward save and he has a 12 inch aura for enemy units within 12 inches, not wholly within, are minus one to hit. If you stack this with the depravity point uh, chart so that you're minus two to hit, then that's going to negate all out attack and enemy units are going to be a lot less effective in combat or in anything. Um, also working at shooting. Uh, and then you've got uh, a, a kind of stacking set of abilities that work through the game. So on turn one, you get to add plus one bravery to he knight mortal units holding the 12 inches. Uh, turn two... The unit can run and still charge later in the turn, which is pretty great. It's exactly when you'd probably want it. Uh, battle round three, do not take Battleshot tests for friendly mortal units. Wholly within 12 inches of this unit. Awesome. Battle round four, this unit can attempt to cast one extra spell in your hero phase and attempt to unbind one extra spell in the enemy hero phase, uh, which is which is great. So another spell. And then uh, <laughs> you can reroll casting, dispelling, and unbinding rolls in round five. Then he's got Gorge of Excess, which is why I think he's so good, because he's going to stay alive for a long time. At the start of your hero phase, you can pick one friendly Heat Knight slash mortal unit, wholly within 12 inches. Obviously, you can pick himself. If you do so until your next hero phase, each time that unit fights, after all of its attacks have been resolved, you can heal up to a number of wounds allocated to that unit equal to the number of wounds and mortal wounds that he's done, up to a maximum of six. So... Uh, so then that means every combat phase potentially healing 12 damage back every turn, which is like 12 life out of his 18 wounds, which is pretty decent. And then finally, he's got a spell. Uh, would you like to reduce the number of friends you have playing games against? 
Uh, Crippling Famishment is a spell that's cast on 7 and has a range of 18 inches. If successfully cast, pick an enemy unit within range, visible to cast that into your next zero phase, half the move characteristics of that unit and half the run rolls and charge rolls for that unit. Half run, half charge, and half move. Pretty terrible. Especially as earlier on we already heard that what you can do is permanently reduce permanently reduce the move characteristic of a unit and then half it again, which is just the best. So that's the crippling ferment one. So there we go. Uh, that's gloss. Okay, taking a look at two of the other mortal units, and these are the cav. These are the kind of like weirdly fast, but also quite chunky cav that you get uh, in the army. So they come in units of five. So this is Slick Blade Seekers and the Bliss Barb Seekers. So they both got four wounds apiece on a five up armor save, and they move 14 inches. But they're not very brave, they're only bravery six. The Slick Blade Seekers have got two attacks, uh, sorry, three attacks each. Threes and threes, Ren two damage one with their glaive, and their poison tongue isn't um, has got two attacks, threes and fours, uh, no rend. They can run and still charge, so that means they can go twenty inches and then charge. So they're very fast, and you add one to the attack characteristic of this unit, Slick Blade Glaives, if it targets a unit with a wounds characteristic of three or less. So this is actually pretty interesting because then you end up with four attacks per Slick Blade Seeker for 21 attacks with additional 10 attacks from the Poison Tongue. So that's up to 30 attacks just from a unit five. Um, 31 attacks if you include the champion. Ren 2 on the Glaive is actually really interesting at damage one, especially when we take into, effect, uh, take into account the Bliss Barb Seekers. So they're also four wounds each. And for 200 points, you get... 20 wounds on a 5-up armor save. They're not very survivable, but they're very fast. Um, these shoot 12 inches, but they obviously move 14. And they can run and still shoot. So that's going to be 20 inches. That's 32 inches. And they've got three shots each. Threes and fours. No rend. Uh, rend one. Damage one. Don't forget, if they're near a Lord of Pain, that's going to be twos and threes. Rend one. But the real reason I think you might see these a lot is the Vectors of Agony. Maybe even making them a good ally or coalition unit. If any wounds are caused by attacks made with missile weapons from this unit are allocated to an enemy unit, subtract one from save rolls for attacks that target that unit until the end of the turn. The same unit can be affected more than once. So now you can see some real combos. Obviously, you could took the shard speaker for minus one save. Combat that up because that's until the end of the next hero phase. And then slick blade seeker until the end of the turn for another minus one save with the shooting. So minus two saved means that if you charge in with the Slick Blade Seekers, they'd be rend four effectively, which is crazy, crazy. Also makes things like the um, like the Painbringers seem a little bit more effective because you can effectively add plus two to their rend, meaning, the, meaning they're going to be rend three with a lot of attacks. That's really useful as well. So actually, actually pretty fun. The mall side of it seems to stack really nicely with each other. Um, it, re it seems to benefit from the minus one to be hit. It benefits from the five up ward save. And it definitely also benefits from the sixes to hit will do mortal wounds because you have a lot of attacks. So I quite like the mortal side of it. Okay, so uh, Slangor Fiend Bloods are 145 points for unit three. They've got a three up armor save. Uh, sorry, they've got three wounds on a five up armor save. And they move eight inches. Um, they've got four attacks each. They hit on fours. They win on threes. They rend one and they damage two. And they are mortals. They do have the ability to fight twice. Uh, once per battle with obsessive violence. And 
They have uh, an ability called Slaughter at any cost, which is at the end of any phase, if any wounds or mortal wounds are allocated to this unit in that phase, and this unit is more than 9 inches from all enemy units, this unit can move up to D6 inches. So up to D6 inches, which combines really nicely with our ability, as we talked about earlier, to potentially move D6 inches as well. So these places could be, these could be uh, with our sub-faction, this could be in different places more than we thought. Um, their damage output is kind of okay. Um, their survivability is pretty low, though. So I think that seems to be the real issue with these, in my personal opinion. Um, uh, you could add more attacks. We know for a fact we can make it so the enemy's armor save is reduced. We could also reduce how many attacks the enemy is doing into us. So maybe they're very survivable um, in that, like, they eventually will end up minus one to hit. They'll end up with a five-up ward. If they're next to Glottos, you know, they'll be minus two to hit five-up ward. Um, so, yeah, quite interesting. Uh, I think maybe a little bit too fragile but you know they, they do some punch okay let's look at our very very cheap cavalry hell striders with claw spears and hell striders with hell scourges okay the hell striders with claw spears um get to add one attack if you've got a champion reroll fail battle shock tests add one to run and charge rolls from the banner bearer and they have a five up rally as opposed to a six up rally thanks to the icon bearer and then they've got the jagged weapon limbs which they get to add one to the attacks and damage characteristics of the unit's claw spears if they were charged. So if they were charged, plus one attack um, uh, and plus one damage, which is interesting for a unit that moves 14 inches is going to charge you. However, however, the Hellstriders with Hell Scourges, which are 160 points, the Hellstriders with Claw Spears were 150 points. And if you say you can't tell the difference, I'm going to call you a liar. They have all the same stuff that we just talked about before. Five up rally, plus one to run and charge rolls, move 14 inches, two wounds with a four up armor save. So that's, so that's going to be 10 wounds for 160 points. But they've got hook tendrils, which is enemy models with a wounds characteristic of one or two cannot contest objectives while they're within three inches of any friendly units um, or with this ability. Uh, thank you. Uh, with this ability. So this is like what Brutes do, but they're faster, and they're 160 points. Kind of feels pretty good. Um, you can maybe charge something else in. We know that there's the ability to stop someone piling in uh, in this book. We know we can reduce how many attacks are there. We know that we can make everything double minuses to hit. We could give this unit a Mystic Shield. We could give this unit a 5 at ward save if it gets enough points. So it could potentially do a really good job. Uh, they can be battle line uh, in the army. Uh, they can be battle line in the army if the if the general is a mortal, uh, and that's true for both of them. So this is a really nice utility piece for the army. The army's really needed some utility pieces like this, and this is actually really really good. I think you'll see some Hellstriders make it into the list because they're just going to engage with the right. Un I mean, it doesn't do much into ogres, let's say, but 160 points you could probably pay points to to make that thing happen. Um, which is pretty fun. So reduce your ability, your opponent's ability to do damage to you, make your army more buffed and more survivable, and then bosh some Hellstriders. Yeah, you can't even score points now. There we go. We didn't quite have enough debuff the enemy, so we went for double debuff now. Next up, we got Senesa, the voice of Sinesh, 270 points. Nine wounds with a four-up armor save and can move 12 inches. It is a monster, so you're going to be able to do stomp and roar, uh, which is good. It's got it's a wizard as well, but only casts one spell. It is a war master, so it will count as a general, and can fly. 
You is minus one to hit uh, from all attacks. That's both missile and melee. And we've got Staff of Sinesh, which is uh, an 18-inch shooting attack that effectively either does six mortal wounds or it does three mortal wounds, depending on the armor save characteristic. Got Voice of Sinesh ability is once per battle, uh, once per turn, sorry, once per turn. This unit can issue commands to a friendly key knights of Sinesh unit on the battlefield without a command point being spent. And Whispers of Doubt is a spell that's cast on six. If successfully cast, pick one enemy hero, visible to cast it and roll 3d6. If that roll is equal to or greater than the hero's bravery characteristic, add one to hit and wound rolls against that hero. Now, it's got no range, so you can do this from anywhere on the board. 270 points is a lot for this character, though. Um, to do a spell, a amount of mortal wounds at range, um, and then uh, I suppose you get a free command ability, um, and you get the ability to get plus one to hit and plus one to wound against heroes. So... Uh, I'd be interested to know what the chat thinks. Interested to know what you think about this particular one. I'm going to go for no, which is weird because, like, this is one of the coolest models available. This should be, like, I just, it's a bit of a pretender. Is it like, yes, it's interesting. Okay, finally, Dexessa, sister, I assume, or or, or twin to Sinessa. Uh, 10 wounds of the four up armor save moves 12 inches. Okay. Uh, now, there's a misprint, it looks like, on their missile weapon and melee weapon profiles. These are both meant to be melee weapons. So you've got four attacks with a Scourge, two threes, rend one, damage two, and then two attacks with the Talons, threes, threes, rend two, damage two. So you end up with six attacks in close combat. It's pretty interesting. And then Joyous Battle Fury is the first time you ever fight with Dexessa. Then for the beginning of each battle round, you add plus one to those uh, those weapons. So you could eventually end up with eight attacks on the Scourge and six attacks on the Talons. But at that point, that's when I would like to pay the points for this unit. And I probably wouldn't want uh, for what it is like now. Uh, it can fly, though, and is a War Master, so it can issue commands at range. Uh, can run and retreat and still charge it in the same turn. So isn't going to get bogged down, which is pretty good. Uh, is minus one to be here, and then Scepter Snesh do not take battle shot tests for any Helix to Snesh units, wholly within 12 inches of this unit. In addition, once per turn, you can issue a command to a friendly Helix to Snesh demon unit without a command point being spent. So, overall, um, the worst wounds characteristic as well, 10, because uh, can't benefit from Games Workshop's rules for, for obscuring terrain. Um, I think... Overall, I'm not a huge fan of this War Scroll, unfortunately, which is a shame because it's really good. Um, maybe the points value is what's got to me. Uh, but yeah, I would again describe this as an interesting War Scroll. Okay, next up, 140 points is a demon vice, uh, the demon hero, a vice leader. It's got six attacks uh, that are threes and fours, rend one, damage two, so it's kind of like a Keeper of Secrets. Uh, it's got five wounds, a five up save, but it's also got a five up ward save. So, you know, like survivable enough. Um, it casts a spell, though, uh, one spell, and unbinds a spell. It's got a run and still charge, and it moves six inches, and it's got lust for violence so that it can fight simultaneously with a demonette host. We'll talk about those in a minute. But the real power of this is its spell Acquiescence, which is only cast on a five, cast on an enemy unit at 18 inches, and you get plus one to wound. That's obviously fantastic because you're going to be able to get your Bliss Barb Seekers um, and your other combat units in, and they're going to get plus one to wound. We already know we're going to get lots of pluses to hit in this army because we're going to be probably playing Pretenders and using all-out attack three times. So plus one to wound, absolutely fantastic. Also a great ally bringing it into your army because you put it into another army and get plus one to wound on an enemy unit at 18 inches. 
Fantastic. Demonettes are your battleline unit for Sinesh. 125 points for 10. Uh, obviously, you can take a big brick of 30 if you want. They move 6 inches, and they can run and still charge in the same turn. They get to add 1 to run and charge rolls um, if they've got any banner bearers. And if they've got an icon bearer, they get to rally on a 5+. plus. So that will make this unit a little bit more survivable, especially if it's only got 5-up armor save. But they are cheap. They're your kind of standard infantry unit. They've got two attacks each, hit on a three, wound on a four, rend one, damage one. But as we've already seen, you can reduce the number of um, uh, save rolls that your opponent is making. Or, sorry, the, you can reduce the number on a save roll. So you can basically add rend to your army. Uh, so you could have it so demonettes are rend three with two attacks each. So that's pretty impressive. Um, that's going to be a lot of attacks. So demonettes looking pretty strong. Um, uh, maybe take a Keeper Secrets, make him pile an attack twice. It really, like, hammer home the number of attacks. Not sure. It feels like, yeah, they're, they're good. They're good. A lot of attacks. 20 attacks out of that. It's good. Next up is the Songstress for Sinesh, the Infernal Enraptress. She's 120 points, and she's got five wounds with a five-up save. She's a shooting unit, kind of a shooting hero anti-magic piece. She's got either an 18-inch or 24-inch shooting attack, um, and is okay in combat. Uh, she's got, importantly, Discordant Disruption. If a casting roll for an enemy wizard within 24 inches of any friendly units with this ability is successful, the casting rolls must be re-rolled. If the re-rolled casting roll is double or one, the dice is re-rolled. Uh, uh, the casting roll is a six, the wizard suffers D3 mortal wounds. So basically, any doubles or roll of a six, D3 mortal wounds for enemy wizards. That's pretty great in a, in a game where people are trying to cast a load of spells. Like, legitimately. And they've got to re-roll the successful ones. And I think that that's, like, for 120 points, is great utility. Or is a really good summoning unit or a unit that you're going to summon uh, to disrupt enemy casting. So I quite like that. I think it's good. It's nice to have that in the army. And then uh, you've got versatile instrument. Each time this unit shoots, choose either Cacophonous Melody or euphonic, uh, euphonic Blast Weapon characteristics for all attacks it makes with its Heartstring Lyre. Um, so it's basically just shoot one, choose one of those two. Uh, so I think it's great. I think it's really good. Like, very good in the right situation, but you can summon it. So you don't have to pay the points, and you can just summon it in at the right time. I think that's really great. Talk about a glow-up. The Mask of Sinesh. 140 points, moves 10 inches, but don't worry, it has run and charge. Okay? 5-up armor save, but a 4-up ward save, so don't worry about that too much. It's got 5 wounds. Okay? Now, the important part is it's got 6 attacks. In close combat, threes and threes, rend one, damage two. But I know what you're asking yourself, Rob. That doesn't seem like enough. Well, don't worry. They've got the Staff of Masks. At the start of the hero phase, you can either add three to the attack's characteristic of the unit's melee weapons until your next hero phase, or heal up to three. So now you're on nine attacks, threes and threes, rend one, damage two. Uh, it's a hero, so you can always find this hour and then all out attack. So you could be twos and twos, rend one, damage two. Do some of the armory armor uh, stripping that we talked about earlier. Could be like Ren 3, basically. And then they've got the Endless Dance. After deployment before the first battle round begins, you can remove this unit from the battlefield. And if you do so, set up this unit anywhere within your opponent's territory more than three inches from all enemy units. Let's go. That's so good. Right? You can So if you know you're going first, you can just be like, boop, and then yeet it in. A fire and forget hero that's very cheap, uh, absolutely racking you up to depravity on the first turn. Mask of Sinesh, 
right in there as something that I absolutely love. Wildly annoying in game. It's going to be great. Okay, so chariot army. You ever wanted to run a chariot army? Bladebringer on Exalted uh, Chariot is 260 points. And then the non-hero version is the Exalted Chariot. And that is 180 points. So 260 points or 180 points. The Exalted Chariot can be battle line as well. Okay, so what do you get for that? With the Bladebringer on uh, Herald, that's a hero, but it's also a totem. So it can issue command abilities from 18 inches. Uh, 10 wounds with a 4-up armor save, so kind of okay. But it's also a wizard, and it's got the same spell that we saw earlier, Acquiescence, which you pick a unit within 18 inches, and you're going to get plus 1 to wound against it. Its Flensing Whips have got 6 attacks, 3s and 4s, render 1 damage 2, so it's pretty fighty. Now, its main ability is the Soul Gorgers. This unit can issue the same command up to 2 times in the same phase. If it does so, each command must be received by a friendly Exalted Chariot unit, and no command point is spent the second time this unit issues it. Obviously, this stacks with Pretender's ability to do it three times. And the Pretender's ability to have loads and loads of command points. And you're like, okay, well, why does that matter? Well, we're going to jump straight down to the Exalted Chariot. Nine wounds on a four-up save. 180 points, so it's pretty pricey. But they've got this thing called Bitter Frenzy, or this ability. Roll a dice each time this unit receives a command from a Bladebringer Exalted Chariot. On a 4+, plus, you add 1 to the damage characters of this unit's Flensing Whips until the end of that turn. Flensing Whips are 4 attacks each, 3s and 4s, render 1 damage 2. So you could very comfortably have 4 attacks, hit on 2s, win on 3s, rend 3, damage 4. Like, if you stack all the buffs that we know are available in this army. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Both units... Both units also have the Excess of Blades, which is effectively an Ogre Charge. So whatever, you're, whatever you charge, if you roll a 10, you'll roll 10 dice. But it's based off uh, the save characteristic for the unit. If you beat the save characteristic, then you get a CP. Uh, so, uh, like, then, sorry, then they take a Mortal Wound as well. Okay, so the next two chariots, uh, you've got the Bladebringer, uh, Bladebringer on Seeker Chariot, which is a hero. It's also a totem. Uh, so, oh no, it's not a totem, it's just a hero, sorry. Um, eight wounds with a four-up save, it's 210 points. And then you've got a Seeker Chariot, which is six wounds on a four-up armor save, and that's 110 points. So much cheaper than the other versions. But they don't quite have the melee output the other ones do. Instead, these guys do mortal wounds when they charge in. So you've got the Mutilating Blades ability, which it, on a 2+, plus they do D3 mortal wounds to a unit within an inch after they've charged in. Okay? They've also... So the Exalted Bladebringer has also got an ability called Thrill Seeker. While the Friendly Seeker Chariot unit are wholly within 12 inches, you add one to the number of mortal wounds caused by their mutilating blades. So that's D3 plus uh, 1. Because the Seeker Chariots, again, do mortal wounds when they charge in on 2 plus, and they do D3 mortal wounds. They can be battle line if uh, you have a general um, that's a Bladebringer. Uh, they can be battle line, which is kind of interesting. There's six wounds on a four-up save. Um, you're going to be doing a lot of mortal wounds, but you're not going to be doing a lot of damage with the attacks in combat. But there are a lot of attacks, which is kind of fun. And once you've leveled up, once you've leveled up your depravity points, so you're beyond uh, 24, you're going to be doing mortals on sixes to hit. So that's kind of fun. The chariots are definitely interesting. I think you can definitely build a chariot list, but I don't think it necessarily integrates with how the rest of the army may play. Also, uh, yeah, just good. Just good. Pretty cool. Pretty fun. Our final two chariots, I know, right, is the Hellflayer 
and the help the exalted uh the exalted <laughs> sorry the herald on hellflayer and then just the hellflayer and the herald on hellflayer if you could believe it <laughs> is um 240 points and the hellflayer is 130 the the herald on hellflayer hellflayer is also a wizard and also has the plus one to wound spell that you get from acquiescence and then they've got a lot of attacks in close combat. Um, the Herald has six attacks at Ren, two, uh, Ren 1 damage 2, which is pretty decent. Uh, same as the Keeper of Secrets. And then you've got Soul Sense. So this is the ability that you get for this particular unit. At the start of the combat phase, roll a dice for each enemy unit within an inch of this unit. On a 4+, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. In addition, for each 4+, plus, add 1 to the attacks characteristic of this unit's melee weapons until the end of that phase. So it's going to be for each unit. Right, if that unit has ten or more models, it's a three plus. And then, if your hold, if then a regular Hellflare is in range of the Herald, then uh, units are holding within a twelve inches. Then you add one to the roll for that. So that means for a regular Hellflare, it's going to be happening on a two plus to units that have got two a ten or more models. And then you're going to be adding plus one attack to all their melee weapons, which is honestly, honestly pretty good. Like there's a lot there. So you could be stacking a load of attacks on a load of different units. And then, again, if you've got your depravity high enough, you'll be doing a lot of mortals on sixes. But they don't have a lot of rend. Uh, they hit on threes. They A lot of them wound on fours. So you're really going to want that plus one to wound spell to pop off. And even then, they're quite expensive. I mean, they do have seven wounds on a four-up save. Minus one to hit. Maybe have glottos nearby. Minus two to hit. Maybe have uh, the five-up ward save up. That's pretty great. That's pretty great. Okay, so Fiends. 200 points for a unit of three. They've got four wounds each with a five-up armor save. So, yeah, again, for a melee unit, not that survivable. They move 12 inches, though, so they can mitigate that a little bit by being the people that charge. Um, they've got three attacks on their deadly pincers, which are threes and threes. Rend one damage D3. Some of the only multi-damage we've seen so far. Uh, and then they've got the Barb Stinger. One attack, threes, threes, Rend two and then it's got a question mark damage. So if the enemy that it's attacking with a stinger has only got a, one, a wound of one, uh, then it does damage one. If they've got two to three, then you do D3 damage. But if they've got a wounds characteristic of four or more, you do D6 damage. You're gonna have three attacks out of that unit. There are ways to stack that, like plus one banner and other stuff. So it's gonna be like six attacks, uh, not six attacks, like two attacks each, six attacks total. Um, so you could potentially have six attacks doing D6 damage feels pretty incredible and is Ren 2 but with the shooting that we saw from earlier you could potentially get this up to like Ren 4 like monsters beware then you've got the disruptive uh, song subtract one from casting unbinding and dispelling rolls for enemy wizards uh, wholly within 12 inches and then you've got the soporific musk uh, which subtract one from hit rolls and wound rolls to attack made against this unit so they're more survivable on that five up armor save because of the soporific musk which is pretty good, and they debuff enemy wizards. Listen, I don't think that they're perfect, but I think that they might be legit. Um, like, they're pretty good. 200 points, um, like, four wounds apiece. Like, I, can't, I quite like this. I legitimately quite like this. I think this is quite good. Like, there's a lot of minuses to hit. Like, just these next to Glottos means they're minus two to be hit in combat. Like, very good. Very good, in my opinion. 
A unit of five for 140 points. You got two wounds on a five-up save with Seekers. That's what Seekers are. A unit of five. Ten wounds on a five-up save. You move 14 inches. You can roll 2d6 instead of d6 when you make a run roll for this unit. In addition, this unit can run and still charge in the same turn. So this unit can go very, very fast. With their banner, they get to add one to run rolls and charge rolls. And with their icon bearer, they get a five-up rally. They've got two attacks with their piercing claws. Threes and fours, rend one, damage one. But at the end of the combat phase, if any enemy models with a wounds characteristic of two or less were slain by wounds uh, caused by this unit, uh, then you get to add one to the attack's characteristic and it stacks. So potentially take a big unit of 15. That's going to be uh, a lot of wounds in that unit there. Uh, that's going to be 30 wounds. Uh, you could charge at your enemy, keep stacking stuff. Eventually, when you get killed a bit, you could rally some uh, on five ups. Uh, which is pretty quick. They're very, very fast. They move 14 inches. 2d6, run and charge. Very fast. 140 points. And their battle line. Plus one to wound with acquiescence. Not bad. Not bad at all. Celesk is 215 points. And it is a very interesting unit. It's a hero, and it's also a wizard. And its spell is really, really good. It's got a range of 18 inches, and it's cast on 7. If successfully cast, you pick one enemy unit within range visible to the caster. That unit cannot issue or receive commands until your next hero phase. That's very, very good. That's very, very good. Uh, and then you've got, uh, it can run and still charge. It's got nine wounds and a four-up armor save. And it moves eight inches. So it's going to give it an effective threat range of 14. It's going to move 14 and then charge. That's very good, especially as we know we can get a 3d6 charge spell on it. Uh, it's also got an ability where if you uh, any sixes to save are going to reflect a mortal wound. And its attack profile is fantastic. Four attacks, threes, threes, rend two, d3. And then eight attacks, threes and threes, rend one, damage two. Um, I'm le legitimately very fighty for 215 points. And then the deadly symbiosis ability is a bit of a gag. It's also a war master, so it's doing command abilities from 18 inches. And while this is a bit of a gag, it's kind of interesting. If you have equal numbers of mortal and demon units within 18 inches of Celesque, then they all get plus one to hit and plus one to wound, which is pretty crazy. So really good. Very, very good. I would definitely try and put this in an army. Welcome to the secret source of Sinesh. I've been saving it for the end. The Contorted Epitome is a two-cast wizard that only costs 190 points. Okay, I know you're saying only. It's got a five up save and seven wounds. It's got a two up ward save against mortal wounds, so it's tough to take off at range. Um, and then you got to it can reroll casts, so it's a pretty effective caster. It's going to be the one who you want to put your good casting on. It's got horrible fascination, which is enemy units within three inches of any friendly units with this ability cannot issue or receive commands. In addition, enemy units within three inches cannot retreat. Now that's really tough. Uh, because it's not that survivable on seven wounds with a five-up armor save. So I don't know if a horrible fascination is going to come into effect a lot. But what is going to come into effect a lot is overwhelming acquiescence. It's cast on a six and it's got a range of 24 inches. Pick up to D3 enemy units and add what, plus one to wound rolls against them. But guess what? It's a different spell to the other Acquiescence. So you can have D3 plus 1 if you cast the other Acquiescence spell, plus 1 to wound. Effectively, you're getting plus 1 to wound against the enemy army for everything here, right? But here's where it gets spicy. 
This is not keyword locked. This is just an ally that's getting plus one to wound on everything. You're playing some Slaves to Darkness. Can I interest you in a, a two-cast wizard that's re-rolling that's got plus one to wound spell against D3 enemy units? Could I interest you in that in court? Oh, not court. Could I interest you in, like, moves 12 inches, right? That is really good. Could also take artifacts, command traits, and all those other things, right? In this version of the GHB, is also a great galley champ. Could talk to Pit me up there with the mask, right? Absolute lol. 190 points for the could talk to Pit me. Like, okay, so that's the secret source for the Sanesh book. We've got battle tactics and grand strategies to cover. There are no battalions, but kind of the secret source is that there's a couple of key units that are going to give you pluses to hit, pluses to wound. You're going to have a lot of command points. The pluses to wound seems very key. And then your ability to generate depravity points very, very, very quick. And then make it so that your army is minus one to hit, minus one to wound, and also has that ward save is crazy stuff. And I actually quite like it. But the problem is I think it's going to be very susceptible to a first turn alpha. So you've got to be really conscious that that's going to, that's going to happen to you. So... Yeah, so far I kind of like it. Like, it, it doesn't necessarily have loads of magic dominance. It doesn't actually have a lot of options as an army either uh, because it's so linearly designed. But I quite like it. It's quite fun. Okay, methods of torture. So the battle tactics. You've got death by a thousand cuts, which is pick one enemy unit. You complete this tactic if wounds caused by attacks made by three or more different friendly units are allocated to a unit during this turn. So a multi-charge, pretty easy to achieve for a melee army. An Enrapturing Blur is pick one enemy hero that has a zero wounds allocated to it. Complete the tactic if it's destroyed in the combat phase of this turn before it is picked to fight. That's pretty spicy. That's pretty spicy. Um, then you've got the Grand Feast. You complete this tactic if you gain 12 or more depravity points from uh, the Sephoric Killers battle trait during this turn. Uh, like you're at Sephoric battle killers. You're absolutely going to do that. You're absolutely going to do that. You've got Excessive Carnage. Um... Uh, pick one enemy unit that has a contesting objective. You complete this tactic if you pick that unit using the Euphoric Killer's battle trait uh, and that unit is destroyed during this turn. So again, uh, two of those and you're going to use that every turn. So this is going to be great. Uh, you've got Realm Racers. You complete this tactic if three or more different friendly Heat Knights Snesh units make a charge move of seven or more during this turn. Very viable, especially if you're going for the reroll charges sub-faction. And you've got Depraved Unity. Pick one objective you do not control. You complete this tactic if you control that objective at the end. This is here, sorry. Um, at the end of this turn, at least one friendly Heat Knights Snesh Mortal unit and one friendly Demon unit are contesting the objective. So a little bit more difficult to maybe organize, but there you go. Um... Uh, there you go. And then the Grand Strats. Uh, so they're going to be very good to achieve. Very easy to achieve, in my opinion. Uh, you've got Coveted Riches. When the battle ends, you complete this Grand Strategy if there are no enemy units that have artifacts of power on the battlefield. And there are one or more friendly units that have artifacts of power on the battlefield. I don't think I'm going to take that as a Grand Strat. That's not very uh, easy. Uh, then we've got When the Battle Ends, you complete this Grand Strat if you are offered a Temptation Dice. Uh, to your opponent for the same enemy unit six or more times during the battle. I would say that this is uh, a likely one. Uh, and then you've got Selfish Desire. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if you did not summon any units using the summoning Seneshi Demon's battle trait. That's, you're not going to do that. Um, so Because you're going to want to summon. 
and then when the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if you have 36 or more unspent depravity points. That makes sense because that's when you end up with a five-up ward. So I feel like glutton depravity is the one that you're definitely going to do. Last thing we're going to look at are the endless spells. And Dreadful Visage is a particularly good one. It's 60 points, and it's cast on 7 and a range of 12 inches, and moves 8 inches. But the spicy part is here, Flensing Tongues. Effectively, what you do is a mortal wound, and if you do any mortal wounds to any units, the strike last effect applies to that unit until the end of the following combat phase. That's crazy, because now we've got the final bit of secret source, the Dreadful Visage. It's a combat army that charges in, gets multiple pluses to wound and pluses to hit with multiple CP. And you're now fighting it last. And it potentially is going to retreat away. Phenomenal. And then it's got the terrifying entity, which is subtract one from the braver characteristic of units while they're within 12 inches and add one to the brave inches. So huge, huge little buff. Okay, our final is two spells. The Wheels of Execution is 80 points. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, uh, and it basically just does mortal wounds to every unit it flies over. I don't think I would take this. It moves eight inches. It's cast on six. I think the one I would take is the Mesmerizing Mirror. So this is cast on a six and there's a range of 18 inches. If a unit starts within 12 inches of the Mesmerizing Mirror, then if it moves any further away from it, it's going to take D3 mortal wounds and it doesn't affect Sinesh. And it's also got this ability called Gaze into the Depths. At the end of the movement phase, roll six dice for each unit within six inches of this end of spell. For each six, that unit's commanding player must choose whether the unit will gaze into the mirror or resist temptation. If it resists temptation, the unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. If it gazes, then you get D3 depravity. So that is another way of generating depravity. Overall, it's a very techie book. I think there's a couple of misses. I feel like the Keeper of Secrets and Shalaxi may be a misses. Uh, I think Glottos is a win. Uh, I think the points are interesting. And I think it's an army that scales well if it doesn't get Alfred. Doesn't necessarily have any magic dominance. Um, and it doesn't. it isn't actually that quick uh, because it doesn't necessarily have loads of abilities. It does have very fast units. But as an army, uh, it doesn't fully engage at range although it's got the ability to armor strip and take armor off people which i think is amazing it's got the ability to summon and make itself more survivable with minuses to hit and ward saves there's gonna be some really techie engagements uh with those units as well especially making it so units have no attacks that's going to be interesting it definitely is a debuff army which is really interesting to see as well I filmed all this live on Twitch with the internet breaking continuously over the course of like six or seven hours. So I want to thank the Twitch chat for being patient with me and putting up for me. Um, if you've enjoyed this video, then please do leave comments, like, and subscribe. That would be really great. And then obviously also I have a Patreon you could support. And you should support because I try really hard to make good content. So I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, I apologize about the internet again. And uh, if you are a Sinesh player, I'd love to know what you think. So hit me up. Thanks very much and see you all soon.